This podcast contains strong language and adult themes. Listener's discretion is advised. Hello and welcome to A Page Too Far, the show where each week one of us reads a book and then tells the other all about it. Will it be good? Will it be bad? Well, let's find out. My name is Gray Skull and with me is my wonderful co-host, Red Skull. Red Skull, how are you doing? You still, you still dealing with the the Sergeant Freedom or whatever his face was? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the non brand, non copyright <laughs> issued superhero who just keeps keeps attacking me. I don't know why I can't stop doing Nazi stuff. <laughs> so the book I have picked for this week it is a very long title. So hold on to your pants here. Interviews with the Crystal Skulls: Ancient Secrets of the Multiverse, Unlocking the Healing Codes Within Us, and the Hierarchy of Heaven. <laughs> wow. It's written by Marguerite Pizzati and co-authored by A.J. Ferrara. Okay. I would classify this as a science fiction book. But I do think they? No, I think it, they technically categorize this as, I'm not sure, nonfiction, self-help, so educational. Is the, so this, this isn't a book that has a plot, right? This is no, a book right, that is designed to help a person in a certain situation. Right. Life. So so let me just finish the the summary here. So it, it's it was published in 2020 and it's about 152 pages long. Okay. Okay. Now I I'm going to talk about the authors here cuz it's very important to understand what this book is about, okay? Reverend Marguerite Pizzati is an ordained interfaith minister and an experienced metaphysical healer who has been actively practicing in the South Florida holistic living community for over 22 years. I feel like I've probably seen a video with her in it at some point. Probably. A.J. Ferrara is a screenwriter, producer, and president of Magic City Pictures, based in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Okay. He's also into the same shit she's into. Clearly. And he produced like three films, but I've never heard of them. One is called Wreckage. uh, One is called The Book of Judah. So anyways, the reason this book was written was because Pizzati, the, the woman, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. she's into all this meditation and crystal magic and stuff like that. And a close friend of hers who is also a practitioner of this sort of thing passed away, sadly. And she inherited nine crystal skulls from this woman. And the book is about her meditation with the skulls. And so <laughs> the skulls start talking to her. Okay. 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 There's there's very obvious Indiana Jones jokes that are going to be made here. I'm just yes. going to get that out of the way. It's going to so, be addressed. So we're okay. Done. We're done. That that is absolutely going to be addressed. Yeah. So so let's get into it. So the author begins by explaining what crystal skulls are and how they are purported to function, as well as their place in our history. Right. So according to her, and according to some people who are really into ancient aliens theories, these crystal skulls were first discovered at these ancient sites for like the Aztecs and the Mayans and they're thousands of years old and it's a mystery how they came to be because there's no tool markings on these skulls so how could these primitive people have made them right and they apparently have magical powers this is a quote from another book called the mysteries of the crystal skulls revealed Crystal skulls are a form of computer which are able to record energy and vibration that occur around them. The skull will pictorially replay all events or images of the people who have come into contact with them. So it's essentially a way of record keeping. (laughs) They're, they're, They're ancient computers. Fascinating. 
The crystal skulls are divided into three categories. Contemporary crystal skulls, which are modern, manufactured. Okay. Old crystal skulls, which are between 100 and 1,500 years old. That's not a vague range at all. <laughs> and ancient crystal skulls, which are more than 1,500 years old. The author talks about the ancient skulls being possibly created by extraterrestrials since, you know, like we said, the, the creation of certain these skulls don't have markings of tools or anything so primitive right. people can do it. So they're like, ah, aliens must have done it, okay? They must have. It's important to note that these supposedly ancient skulls all came from the same individual back in the early 1900s. His name was Eugene Boban. This guy found all of them. Apparently. And he sold them to museums and antiquity shops for a lot of money. Nothing suspicious there. No, not at all. You know, when, when, you're, when your source of ancient history is one guy named Eugene, you know you're on the level. Right. So there is no, no crystal skulls from any documented excavation or archaeological digs. None. There has never been a documented discovery of a crystal skull from any old civilization or anything like that. Because they all came from this guy. Apparently, this guy just made them and made a lot of money and then took off. So right away, the premise is a little skewed. Mm -hmm. Are you with me? Yep. No. Uh, yes, I am with you. So the beginning and the end of this book were both written by A.J. Ferrara. Okay. So he did the introduction and the epilogue. Yeah. And he puts at the end of the introduction a disclaimer which says, essentially, if you're looking for scientific evidence, this book is not for you. So... Chapter one, meet Mo. I'm going to go with, with each chapter. I'm going to read what the chapter is called because it, it's, it's very, I think it just makes it better. <laughs> so All I'm, right. I'm going to read out the chapters. I'm here for it. The first of the nine skulls is the largest, about the size of a child's head. It is made of dark rainbow fluorite. It is said that fluorite crystal will encourage harmony between mind, body, and spirit by aligning your chakras. So this is way better than Honey Nut Cheerios. You Clearly. need to you need to have a crystal skull in the morning. Yeah, because that just that sets you up for a great day. I feel like. Yeah, you know what they say: one skull a day makes the dentist trip that much closer. <laughs> you want to try again? No, no, no. Okay, okay. Moving you can on. cut it out. You can leave it in. That's fine. So this first skull's name is Mo. Okay. Oh, so Mo is the skull. Okay. They, they have names. Okay. They all have names. Who named them? Um. I don't know. <laughs> I'm assuming the woman who now owns them named them. Or they told them, they told her that they, well, they, that they was do, their name. they do tell her their names, but sometimes she just ignores them and names them something different. Okay, that's what you want to do with that's, that ancient mystical power. That's kind of rude, but that, that's what bit. happens. So, so the first one is called Mo, and the, the crystal's fine with her calling it Mo, I guess. Okay, right? Through Mo, a collective consciousness speaks to Bizzotti, right? So she starts meditating with these crystals, and she feels this, this collective consciousness reach out to her and start communicating with her, mm -hmm. right? This is, this, is true, this is true life. This is not science fiction. This is actually happening right, this is a in a woman's in kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> so we are the brotherhood of light. We are Christ consciousness. We are guides for whatever higher power you may resonate with. Did you say Christ consciousness was the second one? Yeah. Well, it doesn't say Christ's with, like possessive. It just says Christ consciousness. Okay. I think that's a typo because there's a lot of typos in this book. <laughs> oh, great. There's even a, a point later where she, she spells someone's name wrong like four times in a row. Is it different each time? 
No, it, she flops between two different ways of spelling okay. it, the correct way and the incorrect way, and she just keeps flopping. So Wonderful. This book was, I think, self-published. Okay. Not proofread. It would... She didn't even have fucking spell checker, apparently. Apparently. But the part the part that sticks out to me, though, is it is claiming to be the the gateway to whatever deity you happen to you happen to serve. Yes, because th- these these people who are into crystal power believe that all paths lead to the same power, right? Okay. So all gods okay. all gods are the same. Mm-hmm. All ways of getting there are the same. It, it's not the journey; it's the destination. Right. Sort of. Right. The entities speaking through the skulls claim to be multi universal healers and protectors. Oh, that's awesome. Multi-universal, meaning they come from different universes. Mm -hmm. Now, here's the confusing part. They use the word universe really generally. So they do mean universe in this sense. But later they use universe to mean galaxy, solar system, planet. It's really confusing. (laughs) But in this sense, it is multi-universal from other universes. Not another galaxy, another universe, another dimension, another realm of being, right? Right. Ascended beings from distant and ancient civilization. So there, there's a bit of a difference between the light beings who are part of the collective and ascended beings. And we'll get into that later, okay? I can't wait. So what I love about this book is there's so many fascinating science fiction concepts that I wish were fleshed out into a, a story. But it, it, this, it doesn't, uh, we'll, we'll get into it, but like, it's frustrating. At this moment... Another skull interjects while, while, while Mo is giving her this information, right. right? Okay. Back in her kitchen. This other skull is named Halo. Uh, it's called Halo because it has a white halo in, it, in its quartz around oh. the, the crown of the skull. Yeah. And it's feminine. Okay? Okay. And it's also slightly smaller than Mo, a smaller size. So Halo is, is rose quartz. It's like pink. And Halo is known as the strongest healer in the group. Oh, Nice. No, yeah, so she, uh, she fucking D&D reference here. Yeah, no, Just, she, she chose life cleric. Yeah, yeah, Halo is a life cleric. Halo tells Pizzati to open her heart so that love can flow through her. So, so Halo's basically like, bitch, open your motherfucking heart so I can pour love into you, baby. Isn't that, isn't that the premise of every 80s movie with a, with a relatively strong for that time period female lead? You have to open your heart and let love in. That's what's going to defeat the bad guy. <laughs> That's Ripley didn't do that. Ripley didn't do that. But... She opened her heart and machine guns came out, <laughs> which is how it should be. That's how it should be. She she manifested love in the form of 50 caliber bullets. Not, yeah, that's it's the Sarah Connor principle. Yeah. So, Paisati, or I don't know if it's Paisati or Pizzati. I don't know how to pronounce her name. I'm sorry. Lady P. Lady P continues her conversation with Mo. Halo just interjects and is like, yo, you gotta open yourself up to the love. And then she's like, okay, anyway. Oh, okay, anyway, we were having a conversation yeah. here. Hang on a second, I'll get For to you. Healer, you're kind of rude. Yeah, so she asks Mo to describe ascension, which ascension is raising your vibration to become part of a, a higher dimension, right? I'm sorry if you're not familiar with all the lingo with this stuff. It's a little confusing if you're not used to it. Yeah, full disclosure, I know nothing about any of this, so I'm, so, I'm, as, I'm as fresh as you are. I had to do a lot of research. Listener. I had to do a lot of research just to begin to read this book. So Wonderful. So she asked Mo about ascension, like to describe it, what it's like. Mm-hmm. Mo explains that you must raise your vibrations to release the pain of many lifetimes of negative 3D energy. 3D. 
is the only kind of hang-up that I have there. It it sounds funny. They refer to dimensions as the number and then the letter D. So 3D, 4D, 5D. Right. What they mean is third dimension, fourth dimension, fifth dimension. There's like eight. Right. But the third dimension is depth, right? (laughs) It's the the Z axis. Because you have have the Y with the Y axis, the X axis, or the first and the second. Height, length, and depth. depth. Depth is the third one. So you have to get rid of your negative depth. Well, it, it the depth is full of pain. Okay. You get it? Wow, that's deep. Right. So you have your height and your length, and those are awesome, but then that depth comes crashing in with a whole lot of fucking pain. Okay, and that's, and and that's what you have to get rid of to ascend. Many people do not let go and are stuck in the oppressive energies of 3D. Mo and the others guide people on this path to higher dimensions. That is their purpose. Okay. Okay. So they, they are the ones who help enlist on the way to Nirvana. Sure. Yeah. They, the way to they, enlightenment. They, they just they, they teach people how to do it mm-hmm. because they've already done it. Right. So they're like, hey, let's show you the rope so you can join us. That sort of thing. Right. Mo then explains that two master guardians named Lady Nada and Thoth, who was an Atlantean, used pure thought to merge the third and fifth dimensions in order to create markers that would preserve their knowledge, i.e. the pyramids of Gaza, among others. The, the pyramids of Gaza are a convergence of the third and the fifth dimension done by an Atlantean and Lady. What was it? it was L- Lady it, Nada. Lady Nada and Thoth? And Thoth, yep. Thoth. Thoth is an Egyptian god. Okay. I don't know who Lady Nada is. They don't explain that too well. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, yeah, they created the pyramids as like uh, a. A marker of knowledge and technology. Like a focal point. Well, more like if future generations need this information, it's here in the pyramid. Okay. Okay. And they kind of go into a little bit later, but it's like the, the, the pyramid as we know it is incomplete. There's more underneath that needs to be explored. But, of course, the government isn't letting us do that. Oh, right. So, right. It's, you know, but there's more stuff under there. So... And and that stuff would would enlighten the world to like a higher plane of not only enlightenment but technology and advancement, all that sort of stuff. But the government doesn't want us to do that because they want um, money, I, I, power. I, I, I want to steer away from government conspiratorial stuff in this book because I hate it. <laughs> so fair we're not fair gonna, enough. We're not going to say about no more. <laughs> so. Pizzotti asks if people on the path to ascension exist both in 3D and 5D. Mo explains that physically, 3D and 5D are the same. It's the consciousness that changes. Sure. Okay. I have nothing to add to that. <laughs> this is going to be boring if you have nothing to add there. Look, all right. Right now, you're telling me that the third dimension, which is depth, mm-hmm. and the fifth dimension, which I have heard before is consciousness... Well, I've heard that the fourth is time fourth and the fifth is, is consciousness. I, I've heard that somewhere, though maybe this person thinks something different. I thought the fifth was love, according to Interstellar. I saw that movie once <laughs> when it came out, and all I remember is Matthew McConaughey and Corn and Sadness. I love that movie up until the very end where he was like, I think the fifth dimension is love because it, it can connect people oh, through you're time and right. space. And, yeah, that did happen. That ruined the whole film for me. <laughs> it did change in the third act. Uh, so... Anyway, but the conscious she's saying that the third and the fifth are the same. It's just your state of consciousness is what changes between them. She's saying your physicality doesn't change as you go up dimensions mm-hmm. until it's, you, it's un- your state of mind, right? Until you decide to completely shed your physical form, which happens at a much much higher 
Nothing changes. Nothing changes. Nothing changes. You no longer have a body. Boom, you're gone. Okay. You're a ghost. So, uh, chapter two is called Halo. We're going to talk to Halo now. Oh, nice. He's my he's my favorite game protagonist is Halo. She. She. <laughs> Please. Is that like... She has preferred pronouns. Is that a conflation between Samus and Master Chief? Or, or are you talking about Halo the Crystal Skull? I'm talking about Halo the Crystal Skull. Oh, sorry. Okay. That should be a movie. Halo the Crystal Skull. Anyways, moving on. <laughs> it's just Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull, but it's Master Chief instead of Indiana Jones. That would Jones. be so awesome! Just shot for shot, line for line, the exact same movie, but just replaced I would love with, that. like, that rotoscoped be... in Master Chief. Oh my god, I need this. Pizzotti asks Halo what their purpose is. Halo says that they transfer energies to whomever meditates with them so that the individual can use the energy to heal themselves. Pizzotti says that she wants to learn more about this energy. Halo says... There are particles of light that emit codes that are being downloaded by everyone on Earth. Did you get that? Light codes. Light codes. Light being downloaded codes. by everyone. Yes. All the time. Pizzotti asks if these light codes are actually beams of light or more like a frequency. Halo says, hmm, both. <laughs> Which is what I would say if I didn't know what the fuck I was talking about. Yes. Okay. Are they beams of light or frequency? Yes. Yeah. Let's move on, which is exactly what Halo does. Well, okay. These codes reside in our bodies until we clear our minds enough to unlock them. They're, they're cheat codes, basically. Oh, yeah. Up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, yeah. B, A, start. Once you've unlocked the cheat code, you can heal cancer. You can jump 30 feet in the air, that sort of thing. So. Let me ask you a question. Okay. Where is anyone who can do this? Uh, they're... Uh, <laughs> In, in India, on top of a mountain, you have to go find them, but they're super secluded and they don't want to talk to anyone, I guess. Perfect. Once unlocked, these codes can be used to heal any ailment or injury. Halo then changes the subject and begins talking about the creation of the universe by her and the others within the collective life force that is part of the creator, which is referred to as all that is. Did you get that? That was kind of a long sentence. It was a long sentence. So, so they are part of the creator in that I'm assuming they're like considered one if not one consciousness, one... Well, they are a collective. So it, it's, hard, it's hard to explain because they are individuals, but they all work in harmony. So they are effectively a collective consciousness, but they don't have to be. They can decide to do their own thing, but they're all deciding to work together. This is very the Valar from Silmarillion. <laughs> yes! There are so many parallels to Lord of the Rings. I, I, I'm glad you noticed that because... The these crystal skulls are the fucking like Maiar and in the wizards. It's exactly what they are. They just come to guide and help humanity, but not taking any direct action in world events. Right? I the, hate this. <laughs> it's awesome. So, but it does put it into context. Yeah, it's and much easier to understand if you if you're familiar with that. Yes. That, that's pretty much exactly what they're going for. This creation story sounds exactly like the Big Bang and billions of years of stellar evolution. Yeah. So like. The, the way she explains the creation story, it just sounds like the Big Bang. And then billions of years of stars forming and solar systems forming. and So mankind got it right. I guess. Yeah, I guess scientists got it right there. Cool. They have some pretty unkind things to say about scientists later in the book. Oh, but, I'm sure. Uh, I can't wait. <laughs> so a little further on, Halo talks about light beings from the star system Sirius B coming to Earth and volunteering to incarnate as physical beings in order to experience the physical plane in 4D while still maintaining a higher frequency. Tourists. Uh, well, kind of. Uh, 
Extra dimensional tourists. <laughs> this is called the great experiment. They make a point of saying that our universe is unique because in this universe, free will exists. That doesn't exist in a lot of other universes. Mm-hmm. So the great experiment is what if we take creatures who are given free will and create physical incarnations and see how that plays out? So humanity. Right. So it's a big experiment. Right. Okay. By, by the light beings. Okay. 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 So basically the first humans came from Sirius B. And they were light beings just like the beings in this collective talking through the crystal skulls. They were the same. But then they volunteered themselves to come down to a lower dimension. So they're like devolving for the sake of this experiment. I see. So they're like, we'll lock ourselves in physical form mm-hmm. and and lose access to a lot of this, in, this knowledge that we had. To see what happens if you give us free will. But they still retained a lot of knowledge. And and enlightenment. So there was no war, right? Sure. They just lived in peace and harmony. Yeah. These beings were known as Lemurians, and they perfected the ability to exist in multiple dimensions simultaneously. Lemuria is described as essentially heaven. Everyone can enjoy the pleasures that come with a physical existence while also having their full cosmic memory intact. Convenient. Although I... That's another one of the contradictions in here. So sometimes they say they have their full cosmic memory and sometimes they say they don't because they lowered themselves to a different dimension. Okay. So there's, it's, it's, the whole book is flip floppy on stuff. Yeah. So they'll say one thing and then a couple chapters later they'll contradict it. So heavy lower frequencies brought about a cataclysm that destroyed Lemuria, but the descendants of the Lemurians had spread across the earth and survived but became 3D and lost their frequency. So the descendants of the Lemurians who did survive the cataclysm right just became normal people like us. Right, and they right? lost they lost any connection that they had to the other dimensions and their their celestial consciousness. Yes. The guardians shifted their consciousness into crystals within the earth so that they would have the protection of Gaia and one day guide humanity to to its former frequency. Do you mean they're going to Gaia'd humanity. <laughs> and Gaia is the goddess of the earth. Right. Yes. Everyone knows that. Yes. That course. I'm familiar with. Yep. Halo explains that the reason they were carved into skulls is because they adjusted their energies to inspire the artists that created them. But then she immediately says, but not all of them intended to be skulls. <laughs> They're, they're all skulls because they, were, they inspired the artists who created them to make them skulls. Yes. But they didn't all want to be skulls. Exactly. So... <laughs> Which is it? Did you want to be skulls or did you not? And did you actually make them do that or not? They rolled a nat 20 when they actually like meant to roll like a 15. Maybe, I don't know. Like I think one of them was like, oh, if I could be an elephant, oh, you made me a skull too. Oh, that's fine, I guess. Whatever. I think that's what happened. When you go to the hairdresser, just a little off the top. Say no more, fam. You're bald. <laughs> that's great. That's exactly what happened. Chapter three, Earth. The third skull, named Earth, is made of dark brown stromatolite crystal. I don't know stromatolite. I don't either. That was the most fascinating thing about this book is learning crystal types. Because crystals are fucking rad. They, they are. look cool. The way they're made is cool. They have cool properties. Yeah. Like, I, I, I cool literally, actual physical properties. I literally, while reading this book, I went online and looked up crystal skulls to see how much they cost. Because I want a crystal skull. <laughs> Wait, this shelf right here? 
is going to be our trophy. Oh my shelf. god! I'm getting I'm getting crystal skull for the shelf. I'm doing that. We're getting a crystal skull. We're going to put Michael Dorn's signature right there. If if we can get it, oh, apparently god. he's he's big on Twitter. Is he? Apparently, or he was. Can we slide into his DMs once we have a Twitter? I don't know if we can slide into his DMs, but we can certainly tweet at him and see what he says. Where was I? Uh, Earth. Yeah, so he's made of dark brown stromatolite crystal. Stromatolite is said to hold eternal knowledge. Earth's energy is heavier and more grounded than Moe's or Halo's. I don't know what that means. I just think it's funny that you said Earth is grounded. It, mm-hmm. <laughs> That's all I got there. So, so I'm going to take a stab at this. Halo is love and connection. Uh, Mo is a little bit of everything. M- Mo is more like an arbiter, a communicator. Halo okay. is a healer, a lover. Earth, which we'll go into, is more of the stability in the group, the okay. foundation. Okay. Right? So. I think that's what it means, but his energy is more grounded. Although it says his energy is heavier, and then, but multiple times in the book, they say that heavy heavy energy is the result of dark forces and is very bad. He's like Mace Windu. He can use the darkness, but he doesn't let it control him. <laughs> that's right. He has uh, he has Vapad, which yeah. skirts the line of dark and light, which makes him so powerful and dangerous. Yeah, exactly. God, we're such fucking nerds. Oh, totally. Like every, It's always a Star Wars or a Lord of the Rings reference. When Pizzotti asks Earth what his role is, he says, I hold the grid lines that connect us, both above and below the ground. I hold the threads, keeping the light grid strong so that it is easier for you to connect with us. Could you tell me what that means? He holds the threads to let us connect with the skulls. He, it, it, it sounds like a really fancy way of saying... You can do what you can do because of me, because I exist and I hold everything together. Good enough. I didn't even bother thinking about it. I wrote no. it down and moved on. <laughs> Look, you asked me, I answered, is that right? I don't know. But that's what it sounds like. <laughs> Earth talks more about the light grid and how it contains these light codes that hold much information. Do you remember the light codes? Yes, they're G-codes? the things that we're always, we're always being bombarded with and we have to unlock them. Right. But apparently they also are held in the light grid. Which he helps us connect to. Set the pause menu. <laughs> I guess that's that's the options where you have to turn on anti-aliasing. Um, I this is yeah, that's confusing because it's like, are the codes in the grid? Are they in us? What? Where are they? Everywhere? Does it matter if I use the codes in me or the grid? I think we're being we're being bombarded with the codes, so the codes have to be somewhere right before they're yeah. inside us because they they hit us from somewhere. Whether so you think they, they through... hit the grid and then drip off like bacon grease onto us? I was going to say more like the grid is the lines that they travel on. Like a, like a, oh, like a rail, like a like train. Like a highway. Yeah. Oh, that makes yeah. sense. That makes a lot of sense, actually. Yeah, and then it just happens to, they're just, they're just so physically small or extra dimensionally small that they just hit every person because wherever you are, there's always a grid. You know what would suck if you could feel it? <laughs> we don't know pelted. that we can. We, maybe we're just used to it. Maybe maybe we're not aware enough to feel it. Yeah. Once we raise our vibration, we will feel it. Right, right. I guarantee that's what this author would say if she could <laughs> tell us. <laughs> you must attune yourself to the grid to access this information. These light codes are consistently referred to as a technology. And Pizzotti asks Earth if we are living in a matrix, but Earth says no. So 
Yeah, they do refer to it as a technology, the light codes. Mm-hmm. So it's not spiritual? It is. It's a technology. It is a technology, but is is there... It's not scientific technology. No, no. <laughs> no. And, and so this makes the author believe that, oh, if it's a technology, then we're living in a simulation. This is a matrix. And then Earth is like, no, 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 no. That's, that's not how it is. Now the Wachowski brothers had it wrong. Earth begins explaining that dark forces are being held back by good groups, like the Pleiades, the, Ple- the Pleiadians, the the Pleiadians, I think, and the Syrians. Three of those were the same word. The, yes, I, sorry. The Pleiadians, I believe is how you're supposed to say that. Pleiadians. And the Syrians. Not our Syrians, the Syrians from the Sirius star system. Okay. Okay. So there were, just to be clear, there were two names there, and you said the yes. first name three okay. times. Yes. So the, the the two good groups they mention are the Pleiades. Pleiades. <laughs> <laughs> once, once more, please. The, the Pleiadians. Pleiadians. And, and the, the Syrians. Syrians from Sirius B. Okay. So those are two of the good groups that are holding these dark forces at bay, right? These dark forces cannot ascend. And so try to prevent humanity from becoming enlightened. So they're, they're, they're frustrated little children that can't join the party. So they don't want anyone going to the party. Right. If, if I can't have it, you can't have it either. Right. Earth then goes on a tangent about everyone needs to get their noses out of their phones and go camping more often. So, yeah, he talks about how there are electricities, not electricity, electricities, that are becoming toxic. They're building up in our bodies. We need to unplug from technology and spend more time with the earth naturally because he's earth dude, right? Right. And he, he talks about you have to go to the beach and feel the energy from the earth coming through the sands into your feet. I mean, he, he talks more about like not just beach, but like you go where there's grass, go okay. where there's dirt. Like anywhere. Be outside. Right, exactly. Get away from the computer. Exactly. So he's, he's a Don't boomer. Don't buy this book on Kindle. He's, he's a boomer. Chapter 4, The Twins. Ooh. This is where it gets sexy. The next two skulls are referred to as the twins. They are called Casper and Maya, or Maya. I don't know which. I would, is M-A-Y-A? Yeah, I think it's Maya. I would say Maya. Would you say Maya? I would say Maya. Casper and Maya. And are made of red rhodonite crystal. I think this was my favorite crystal, because it was like red and really cool looking. Hmm. Rhodonite creates emotional balance and helps with clearing and activating the heart. Aw. So you got high cholesterol? Get some rhodonite <laughs> up in that bitch. It'll clear out your heart, man. That is the future <laughs> of medicine. <laughs> Back to that dentist <laughs> joke that didn't land earlier. I. Haha, it's a callback. Now you can't cut it. <laughs> I have no idea what the fuck this is supposed to mean. Clearing and activating the heart. I mean, it's all chakras, right? It's all the. the uh... Making sure your spiritual energies are aligned, making sure that you don't have anything blocking those pathways. I, but activating the heart? Like, your heart is on. I, your physical heart is beating. Yeah. But you but, have a spiritual heart that you need to you need to tap into. What does it look like when it's not on? Are you a sociopath? Well, no. That just means that, that Halo hasn't actually entered and you haven't opened up your heart yet. This sounds really like they're pressuring me into doing something that I don't want to do. Just say no. I, I did, and she keeps telling me to open up. I don't know what to do. I gave her a restraining order and everything, and she won't stop fucking calling me. (laughs) (laughs) This episode is off the rails. (laughs) 
great. It's so fucking hot already. God it's damn. ridiculously hot, but you know what? It's fine. Casper and Maya are twin souls who are part of the Galactic Federation. It's not clear what the Galactic Federation is beyond a coalition of countless souls from across the multiverse. Somebody call Michael Dorn? <laughs> and I, yeah, I, it, it's really, there's several points where it will just drop a term or a name or a concept. And then just move on. And move on and not explain it at all. The Galactic Federation is one of them. Somebody said we should have a, uh, we should have a counter for this never comes up again. We should. That would be awesome. I don't know how we do that though. Yeah, would I don't know. Would it would it be episode we're deciding this here on the air. Would it be <laughs> would it be episode by episode or would it be as a whole? I think episode to episode. Like how many of those did we have in this in episode. An episode? Are they so are they are they are the twins Maya and Rudolph? <laughs> no. <laughs> it's Casper and Casper. Maya. <laughs> are they two separate skulls or are they one skull? Uh they're two separate skulls. Okay. But they're both made of the same crystal, same size, same make. Oh, cool. So, so someone went to a crystal shop, and they had 10 of this type of crystal, and yeah. so they just picked up two of them. <laughs> That's what I'm gathering. Or they picked this. up 10 of them and failed eight times. Yeah, or, or they got stolen or something. I don't know. But, yeah, so the book is not clear on what the Galactic Federation is beyond being like a coalition of countless souls from across the multiverse, and some of whom assist lower dimensional beings with ascension. But the Galactic Federation is not about helping people with ascension. It's just that some of the people in the Federation do that. No idea what the Galactic Federation does. It's hmm. It sounds like Star Trek. Isn't that what it's called? The or It's like the, the Federation of Earth. The United Federation of Planets. So, okay, yeah, that's, a, that's what I was thinking of. The twins talk about a coming war between the Dark Forces and the Enlightened. Okay, that makes sense because the dark forces were the ones who said if we can't enlighten no one else can right atlantis had succumbed to the dark energy god damn it and humanity must not allow it to happen again they claim that this conflict will begin in earnest within the next few years this came out last year oh so right, we, right 2020 we have a few years okay okay before the conflict is like full-blown out of the shadows right does this, maybe this is going too far, does this hold to the belief that Atlantis was a superior civilization in both moral and ecumenical being as well as technologically advanced and that they essentially did the Kryptonian thing and didn't stop war and violence so they eventually succumbed to it? Is that the Atlantean history in this system? Well, it's it's not clear what the cataclysm that happened was. They They say there was no war. And they say they were far advanced in every way beyond us, both mm-hmm. morally and philosophically, technologically, all of that. They're way more advanced. It, it just says they succumbed to dark forces and dark energy. It doesn't say they were at war because it says they didn't have war. So I don't know what that means. <laughs> they just both Lemuria and Atlantis both like fell into the sea. So. I don't know what the fuck is going on in the sea, but you need to stay away from that bitch. Apparently. Because it's swallowing whole cities. Like, why do they keep building on the coast? So you need to you need to back it up, man. So the rest of this chapter, the twins go into really, really heavy QAnon conspiracy oh, shit. Oh, God. No. So no. I'm not going to talk about any of that, okay? We're going to skip all that. <laughs> But it really falls in line with a lot of QAnon beliefs. Wow. Of course it does. And I heard from our very good friend. I'm going to bleep his name. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Just for the hell of it. Yep. We learned from our friend that 
there are people who believe that Donald Trump is in the eighth dimension. Right. Which is actually at odds with this book because it says if, you, if, you've, if you're at the eighth dimension, you no longer have physical form. So I don't know how he's pulling it off. But he, he's at the very least a higher dimension than us, which is how he's able to be so brilliant and fight, you know, the, 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 good deep, fight. the deep state. Yeah. yeah. And all that stuff. Fight those forces of darkness. So moving on to chapter five, it's called Blue. The next skull is a Labradorite crystal named Blue. It's like my second favorite crystal. How did he introduce himself? There is one right answer. <laughs> I'm blue, dabba-dee, dabba-dee. Okay, anyway, so Labradorite is strongly associated with shamanism and can provide a pathway connecting the heavens with physical reality. Oh. Blue's role in the Skull family is being a free spirit, feeling more independent than the rest of the collective. So this, is, this might be a little hard to explain, but they are individuals, but they agree to be a collective. They all work together. They don't do anything without each other. But he is more free thinking, more willing to go outside the box than anyone else is. That is his role is mm-hmm. to think outside the box, to suggest things that no one else would suggest. Okay. I just want to complain for a moment that my Amazon Fire randomly picks lines of text and just makes them bold for no goddamn reason. Oh, same, and it underlines them? Yeah, I don't <laughs> I don't know why it does that, but it's making reading a little difficult. Yep. Blue seems to be the most laid back of the skulls and has innate knowledge of timelines. Blue speaks about underground beings and the old ones that are even deeper. These old ones are the source of all technological inspiration. Through vibrational frequencies, they inseminate ideas in the minds of people on the surface. So basically what he was saying is that there are beings that live underground, and below them, deeper than anyone can dig, there are light beings who have specific jobs to inspire people to create new things in advance so that advancement is always happening they're not necessarily steering humanity they're just making sure humanity is progressing right sounds like they're steering humanity a little bit it's a little shady but you know yeah it's it's the old ones they're classic that's what these are these are light beings right these are not they're they're not evil yeah they're they're, not they're they're just they're other light beings okay and they they said we're gonna set up shop here and perform this job Blue talks at length about other sentient species within our solar system that have come and gone in the past ages, including a feline race on Saturn and a race of giants on Jupiter. Changes in our solar system have caused these races to die out or leave, right? Because those planets are not inhabitable. Right, yeah. Which I don't think Jupiter was ever inhabitable. It's a gas giant. Hey, look, according to this skull made of Labradorite? (laughs) Uh, I forget. Let me, yeah, uh, Labradorite. Yep. So like Labrador. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Probably found on the Isle of Labrador, if I had to guess. Maybe. I don't I, I want to actually look up like how these crystals are formed because they're, they're super cool. So I think he's a fucking liar. Seems to <laughs> I, be. I don't think anyone lived on Jupiter ever. It's like 90% ammonia, right? I, I forget exactly what the chemical composition is, but it is not... You can't live there. No one can live. I mean. We can't. Okay. What, what about somebody I'm, who breathes ammonia? I'm going to say, I'm thinking from a point of view of a carbon-based life form. Carbon-based third dimension life form. Right. Uh, apparently, silicon-based life forms would thrive on ammonia. So maybe they were silicon giants. If that's not the name of an HBO miniseries. 
like in Silicon Valley. Silicon, Silicon Valley or yeah. Wait, Silicon Giants, mm-hmm. Silicon Valley, mm-hmm. Hidden Valley Ranch, mm-hmm. Greens, Jolly Green, Jolly Green Giant. Oh my gosh. We're onto something. <laughs> we're onto something. We I cracked like, it. I don't know what we're cracking, but we're cracking all right. So that that was a, that was just about all Blue had to say on that, right? Chapter six, Zoriath. Oh, that's a cool name. I know. That's, that's like that, I'm gonna name my next character Zoriath. Yeah, the that's like the, the 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 big bad guy's name. It's fucking awesome. And I, I'm pretty sure later in the book, the author just renames the character accidentally. Like it's very close to Zoriath, but it's something else. Nice. <laughs> it's it's a uh, it's one of the the nameless thirteen from uh, Kingdom Hearts. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Trying to read this book. Okay, I got to stop and say something, (laughs) because trying to read this book is like trying to read the plot of Kingdom Hearts. It it is so incomprehensible and nonsensical trying to figure out what the author is trying to say. It reminded me so much of Kingdom Hearts, where it's like, this happened. What was the reason for it happening? I don't know, but it led to this. Why did it lead to that? That doesn't make sense. Like, that was the whole book. The, the parts that I'm telling you were very carefully put together and deciphered. There's so much shit that I haven't mentioned because I couldn't make heads or tails what it meant. Hmm. It's like if someone went up to a buffet table, pushed it over, pushed all the food into one big pile, and then I had to go in there and make a plate of food for you. So I had to go in and pick out a chicken leg, some mashed potatoes, make it look pretty, put it in the microwave, and then serve it to you. That's what I'm doing right now. Thank you for your service. The, the, the book is a pile of old food on the ground. It's, it's a mess. It's a mess. So the first half of this book, I was having fun, and at this point, I'm like not having fun anymore because it's not going anywhere. It's just bullshit. Zariath, or Z, as he's referred to. Nice. Less cool, but nice. He is a mixed orange calcite and jade crystal skull. Ooh. Very exotic. Orange calcite is a powerful healing crystal and can balance sexual energy. Oh, no. (laughs) And jade blesses whatever it touches and is valued as a dreamstone. I don't know what the fuck that means. Let's move on. Good dreams. (laughs) I, yeah, I guess it Keep just a means piece of trade. You'll have you'll have good luck and good dreams will I, follow you. Sure, okay. That's very very uh, Eastern mythology. It's a sleep. It's a sleep aid, yeah, baby. Kind of. Z is from a different universe, unlike the other light beings. The planet, are, the solar system, the galaxy, or the actual universe. The, the, so this is actual universe. I, I translate whenever they're talking about galaxy. I change the word oh, okay. from universe to galaxy. So if I say universe, it's universe. Okay. <laughs> All right. Z is from a different universe and considers his role to be a teacher and to create balance. Which that is said about like every yeah, fucking are, crystal aren't they in one all way or another. Teachers and yeah. looking to so, okay. There's a lot of re- repetition in this book. And literally, like the last three chapters of the book, the author just keeps saying the same fucking shit over and over and over. So you have to read something seven times before it actually gets into your brain. I guess. But yeah, a lot of them just say we're teachers and we're healers and stuff. And they all say that. Open so, your heart. <laughs> only one of them said that, which is a little concerning. <laughs> Z says that this universe is unique because of the existence of free will. We already went over that. Right. And there are many universal laws that must be understood. Okay. Like physics. 
and time <laughs> not and exactly. gravity, right? Not exactly. Let me let me read to you some of the laws, some of the universal laws. This is not all of them. Read me the universal commandments. Some of them are the law of attraction, the law of manifestation, the law of cause and effect, the law of equality, and the law of perception. I'm not going to explain any of those. Okay. They offer a little bit of explanation for some of them, but I didn't give a fuck. (laughs) Some of those seem self-explanatory. Well, self-explanatory to what I would describe them as. Okay. Fine. You twisted my arm. I'm going to explain them. The universal law of attraction is that like-minded and like-wise things attract uh, each other. I thought it was opposites attract. That's what I thought too, but apparently not, because Z is just laying it down for us. Okay. It's the other way around. Things that are similar are attracted to each other. Maybe that's what we're doing wrong. (laughs) I've tried it both ways, man. I'm just stuck right now. (laughs) I meant humanity, but okay. (laughs) Oh, shit. All right. (laughs) The law of manifestation, which I don't remember that law. (laughs) Moving on. The law of cause and effect is kind of obvious. If you do something, there's an effect in, in, in stuff that happens, okay? Okay. The law of equality, this one was confusing. So it was basically beings of the same dimension are equal. So all of us three-dimensional beings are equal. All of the light beings in the eighth dimension are equal, but we are not equal to higher dimensional beings. Okay. Okay. That, it's, it's the caste system. Sort of. It's a very loving and nurturing caste system. Though. Yeah. Yeah. It's the caste system where the goal is to go up and it's actually possible. And the people who are up yeah. help you up. Reintegration of these laws helps anchor our consciousness in the fifth dimension. I don't know how we got to the fifth dimension. We're, I thought we were stuck in the third dimension. We are. But we're also simultaneously in the fifth, if you remember back to the... Uh... Well, we are physically, but not right. spiritually and mentally. That's, that's the problem. But this is reaffirming these laws is helping us get there. That's not what it says. It says it helps us anchor our consciousness in the fifth Oh, anchor it. Yeah, it doesn't even okay. help us get there. Okay, so so we're already there, and this is just saying, but we're not there, but but we are there. But this is just saying that if you if you hold to these, which doesn't sound like there's any, it doesn't sound like these laws are, they're not applicable to us. <laughs> they they are just things that are. They are more akin to scientific laws yes. in that they are not something that we can break. Right. Understanding these laws was expected during the Lemurian and Atlantean age. It was commonplace that everybody, everybody knew these laws. They understood them. They practiced them. Mm -hmm. How do you, never mind. Whatever. We'll move on. It was the reliance on technology that caused their demise. I thought it was dark forces and low vibrations. Now you're telling me it was reliance on technology? This book. I hate it. (laughs) This is where I'm losing my fucking mind. I was into the concepts. I was into like yeah. the stuff they were laying down, and now they're just like they're irra- just openly contradicting. They're yeah, they're they're uh, what they're retconning. Yeah, they're retconning the lore that I was into. This is worse than an argument on the internet. <laughs> yeah, so like I'm like, what the fuck? Chapter seven, Xantitha and Khan, not Antifa, Xantitha and Khan. God, you fucking skull, bitch. The next two skulls are Xantitha, a lipidolite crystal, and Khan. Uh, he's another fluorite crystal. We already had a fluorite. So we he's did. A, he's another fluorite. Unoriginal. Yeah, I know. Lipidolite reduces stress. It's like lapis? Kind of. And 
fluorite creates a clear channel for spiritual guidance, which is not what they said about the other fluorite skull, but whatever. They could do both. I don't care. Also cleans teeth. <laughs> I'm imagining instead of brushing your teeth, you just make out with a crystal skull and then you go to bed. <laughs> These crystals are both necessary for releasing karma from past lives. Oh, boy. Here we go. Khan explains that there is an energy membrane between universes that prevents lower frequency physical beings from moving between them. Again, this is universes, not right. galaxies. Right. So if we wanted to go to another universe, we, which we're never going to want to do because we, <laughs> we, can't, we can't even explore our galaxy. We can't so, solve our own. Right. There was no reason to go to another universe. That's too much on our plate. All right. But even if we did try, there is a, an energy membrane that prevents us from doing that because our physical bodies can't do that. Right. Only our consciousness can. So we would have to raise our vibration to a point where we're in a higher enough dimension to get rid of our physical form. That's how the Flash does things. Right? He, really? He, there's certain, certain iterations of the Flash, uh, the, the, the DC hero, that can like punch into a person because he can yeah. vibrate at such a fast speed. His molecules can go in between theirs and then solidify. Oh. And that's like, he can walk through walls and, and stuff because he can vibrate so fast. That's all this is. The flash is terrifying. <laughs> the flash is a horrifying concept. Khan then complains that humans always want to quantify everything and that in reality, there is no limit to anything, which is not true. I inherently disagree with that argument. Because, they, well, they're constantly talking about limits of our dimension. Yes. Like, what are you talking about, dude? <laughs> We're limited by the third dimension. And also our physical form is limited by that membrane that we yeah, can't Yeah, you just, oh my God. Yes. So, so he's like, you know, humans always want to put a number on everything, but there's no limits to anything. Everything is infinitely possible. And it's like, these crystal skulls might be talking about things that do make sense, and the author is just a moron who can't vocalize it correctly or write it down. Potentially. I don't know. I'm just, the, the book itself is just doing this to me, right? Yeah. Khan explains that when we dream, it is actually our soul visiting our other selves in separate timelines. So when you are dreaming about doing something or seeing people, you're actually seeing people and doing things in another timeline, right? So that, that recurring nightmare that I have where I'm like, trapped and I can't run away and there's a thing behind me. That's that's real. That's man. existing somewhere. It's real. That's happening to you in another timeline. <laughs> Horrifying. It is. Isn't it? There's so many implications to that. It's yeah. it's staggering. Yeah. Xantitha is not very talkative, but does say that Pizzati will meet another skull from Mexico named Max. <laughs> Do you mean Mexico? <laughs> This is a skull she she's never heard of and doesn't know. She's just, this one skull is just like you got to talk to my buddy. His name's Max. He's not in Mexico right now on vacation, but you should talk to him. Look, he's legit. I swear. Yeah. Just, just tell him Zantitha sent you. He's got the good shit. You got to talk to him. Yeah, we all know it comes from Mexico. Chapter eight, revelations. Oh no. So she's met all of the skulls at this point. She creates a grid, as she calls it, with her skulls organizing them in a way that will maximize their energy potential, and she meditates. It's just a nine-by-nine nine box? It's, it's like— Or a three-by-three, three, I mean? If, if you've seen the old amphitheaters where it's like a quarter circle, uh-huh. it's like that, set up like that, and her skulls are on the outer edge mm -hmm. and stuff. Okay. And then she also has crystal wands 
that form an outline around them to Naturally. keep the energy in or something? Yeah. I, I don't know. Look, I you can't let it go. You want to direct it all straight into you. I didn't know. And the crystal... You want to take all of that energy, all of that that good, good energy, mm. and you don't want any of it to escape. You want to put it all into your body. You want to slurp up every drop of that delicious energy. <laughs> she begins talking with the skulls again, and this time the Galactic Council is observing. This is not the Galactic Federation. This is the Galactic Council. I see. Are they related? I don't know. Okay. And it doesn't explain what the Galactic Council is. Okay. During this meditation session, the skulls talk about the birth of the creator, all that is. Iluvatar? Yes. There was a void and frequencies within the void colliding with each other eventually creating a spark. And in that spark, a consciousness was formed. And from that, the cosmic mind grew. That's how God was born. How was there stuff before the creator? I don't know. There were frequencies. Yep. So love existed before God. Sure. I guess. Yeah, that checks out. Okay. So that's how how God was born. So the rest of the chapter is... Not that exciting or important enough. It, it, she she starts repeating a lot of shit mm-hmm. or, the, you know, the quote unquote skulls start repeating a lot right, of shit. Right. So at the end of the chapter, apparently after her session in which she, she talks to to angels, angels are a thing. Oh, I don't think I mentioned that yet, but angels are a thing. They're separate from the enlightened beings. Yes. That's what I was kind of picturing. Yes. They, they are different from the light. beings, Okay. And they're also different from the ascended masters. Oh, there's 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 a hierarchy here, and we'll get to that. But she talked to angels in this session, and then after the session, she went outside, and she saw the angels in the sky, and she took a picture. <laughs> oh, my God. And I'm going to show you the picture, and you tell me what you see. Is the left one or the right one, or both? It's both. The both. one is zoomed in. I see. Okay, okay, okay. I see it here. I see it here. Okay. So this is just outside. It looks it looks like uh, like the Florida vegetation. It's just like outside a building. Uh, looking up into the sky, there is a tree that's backlit by a lamp. A little bit above that, like streetlight, is the moon. And then there's a what appears to be, I would guess, a, looks like a lens flare. Like there's yes. something on the lens. Yes. <laughs> but it looks like on the zoomed out picture, it looks like. Honestly, it looks like a capital L that's kind of italicized, right? It, it looks it looks like a, like you have a... It's a little squiggly blob. A little squiggly blob that you, you kind of rotate on the side at like a, like yes. a slight angle, slight angle. There's three of them yep. in the sky close to the moon. And notably, the ones closest to the moon are the brightest. Mm-hmm. Yes. And they're perfectly evenly spaced. They are evenly spaced. And they are identical. They are identical. The zoomed-in one shows it's very pixelated. I can count the pixels on this thing. I'm not going to, but uh, but it does appear to have one pixel that is kind of like uh, it's a solid white, and then there's a little black dot in it that could be representative of a head. I could see how if you're in on this, if you've already bought in, this is confirmation. And then the other could look like a body with some light, like the 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 L. And the bend of the L could look like a body with legs. I could see that, but I don't. It 
it looks like the the glare from the moon. It looks the like lens. the glare from the moon in the she, lens. She's pointing her the camera on her, or I, I don't know if it was a phone camera or a camera camera, but she is pointing the lens at two light sources, like directly. <laughs> so yes, yeah, it's glare. It's fucking moon glare. Yes, it is a beautiful sky though. I mean, that's that's a gorgeous picture overall. Yeah, it's it's that's all right. The beginning of the book make a big deal about not presenting any scientific evidence. Right, and then here we are with a photographic evidence. And here we are with a photo that they are saying is angels. Right. So, oh, oh my God! I just noticed. Did you you see the little photo grid logo at the bottom? Yes, I see the photo grid oh logo at the bottom. God. Oh my God! That's awesome. She couldn't be bothered to put this on a computer and do it that way. This was absolutely taken on a phone. Yes. Oh my God! That just. That made this book so much better. <laughs> this this might have knocked it up a notch on the rating. Maybe. Pisati then decides to have a session focusing on ascended masters and archangels rather than the light beings in the skulls. She had no predetermined line of questions. She just figured we'll sit down and chat about whatever comes to mind. So she, she sets up uh, another grid. This one's different, though. It's like more of a, an actual like full circle. Hmm. Right? And, and she makes contact. Those in attendance included Archangel Raphael, Saint Germain, which a lot of paranormal fans out there will recognize as the Count of Saint Germain. Kind of blew my mind when his name dropped there. Lady Nada and Jesus Christ. Ooh. The big man himself. Raphael begins explaining the hierarchy of heaven. First came the collectives. So the, the collective consciousness that's in the crystals. Right. They were one of the first to enter the universe with the creator. Okay. Then the angels and archangels came into being. Mm-hmm. And the archangels are the highest rank. They're, they're the bosses, apparently. With the exception of Metatron. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I thought for sure it said Megatron the first time. No, Metatron is a name I know. You know Metatron? I know of a Metatron. Oh, I don't wonderful. know if it relates to this Metatron. And Metatron is the right hand of the creator. He is, he, so he's above the archangels. And he's an angel, which most of the angels are underneath the archangels. He's just a regular angel, but he's above the archangels because okay. he's the right hand of the creator. The job of the collectives is to seed planets, galaxies, universes with knowledge and energy. The job of the angels is to heal and teach. Here we go again with the same spiel. We're here to heal and teach, even though now, now it's like the angels, though. It's not the collective. So it's like flip-floppy again. Ascended masters are remnant beings from Lemuria and Atlantis, reincarnating themselves whenever they are needed to directly help humanity's progress. So ascended masters are all of the best people that have been on Earth. So right. Jesus, Buddha, Muhammad, all the great religious teachers, and also the Count of St. Germain, which you probably don't know anything about him, but nope. he was apparently an, an immortal alchemist who did a lot of great things while he was on Earth. Oh. But there is very little evidence of his existence. Mm -hmm. There was a guy named the Count of St. Germain, but whether or not he was immortal and did the things he did is up to question. Gotcha. Right? And, you know, in like Da Vinci and the, all the smartest people, all the most enlightened people, they were all, they used to be Atlanteans and Lemurians, and they are just reincarnating over and over because they're, they're, they're on a higher plane of existence, right? They're, they're connected to the, the three-dimensional and fifth-dimensional realms physically, but they also, they're, they're able to become light beings at their death and then reincarnate later. 
Okay, they're, so they're just they're just guiding humanity along its path. They're hackers. And yeah, yeah, and clearly taking the job of the ancient ones underneath the earth, underneath the old ones. Right. Whose job it is to guide us in technological advances anyway. Yeah. So that yeah, isn't that interesting that all the most inspired people were light beings, but yeah. at the same time all that inspiration came from other beings under the earth. It's a yeah. little problematic, maybe. Kind of, kind of makes me think that human beings are incapable of doing anything on their own. Yeah. Or we're, just incapable of doing anything because ultimately just, whatever we do is being attributed to light beings. It's We're just fucking useless. Although they, they do say that the other sentient species have reached ascension practically on their own. So it, 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 to them sure. it's like it's like a natural course that a civilization takes eventually. When that civilization doesn't have free will. Right. So and they're just like helping so how do you, with our progress. Okay. Okay. I'm going to dive into this. Okay. If a civilization doesn't have free will, that means that there is something somewhere or some things determining that civilization's path mm-hmm. and it doesn't have a choice in that matter. Yeah. Doesn't that mean that the enlightenment that they experience isn't real true enlightenment because they didn't discover it. It was forced upon them. Right. And they're not making a choice to be better. Right. They are doing what they are told, and what they are told happens to be, according to these skulls, the best thing ever. So they're robots. They are robots. Nothing more. So now you put humanity in this situation, say, hey, we are going to give you free will, and you're gonna, we're going we're gonna to see what happens. We're going to perform an experiment. Will you get there or not? But also, we're going to have people in the earth telling you what to do, doing it, and then, just in case you don't do it, we're also going to send some of our friends down, and they're going to guide you and put in this technology and get you there even though you clearly wouldn't get there on your own (laughs) and then when they die they're just going to come back do it again in the later centuries with even more technology to get you there faster because in the end we want to get you there it's not your choice you've got it perfect you've got all of it you don't need to read the book now okay so anyways back to the bullshit Metatron then begins speaking. He calls himself the creator's administrator, the karmic accountant, which is... That's a great that's, name. I know. I, I don't know what you'd use that name for, but I love it. I would, if you were an assassin, I, I would call myself that if I was an assassin. I'm, I'm the karmic accountant. Oh, so good. But also the accountant is just a mediocre assassin movie. I, I, oh, with, yeah. Uh, with Ben Affleck. Ben I Affleck. I didn't see it. Yeah. I, I was going to say Ben Stiller, and I knew that wasn't right. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been a better film, probably. <laughs> it was okay. He says, I am the science. <laughs> that, that's what Metatron says. He says, I am the science. I, you can't handle the truth. I am the truth. Pizzotti asks him what he means by I am the science, but he does not explain. <laughs> of course not. Why would he? He doesn't have to. He doesn't have to limit himself to explain to us. I was... I was understandably just as confused as Pizzotti. I was like, what the fuck does that mean? He's just bragging. He, uh, he, um, okay, so yeah, he, he doesn't, he doesn't explain that. He, he says a little bit about how scientists are fools and the Hadron Collider is dumb and trying to find the God particle is dumb. Did they find the God particle? I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know. But he's basically saying these scientists just need to meditate more and they're good. They don't need to do science. Huh. Well, I think what he's saying is I am the science. Scientists need to be doing me. <laughs> Phrasing, but I'm with you. <laughs> I'm 
pretty the sure that's you what commune, he's saying. The more you commune with Metatron, the more scientific discoveries you'll have because he's the one who is ultimately responsible. Uh, it's getting hot in here, and I don't think it's just the temperature of the room. Look, <laughs> homeboy just wants some action. He does. He's desperate. Next up is Jesus. Jesus talks about the many lives he lived uh, in in the past. So he, uh, of course, he was the Christ. Right. That he was Buddha. He's Muhammad. He was Enoch, which is confusing because Enoch became Metatron. So there's Metatron and Jesus, and they're different. And okay, whatever. Moving on. He was King David, which was weird. And uh, so he's like four different people in his own lineage. Yeah, he's he was like his own grandfather every generation. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and he was also the Atlantean. Horlet. I beg your pardon? Horlet. H-O-R-L-E-T-T? Uh, just one T. Ah. The Hopi Indians called him the Masao. I hope I'm saying that right. It's probably wrong. The guardian of Earth. He's also best buddies with the Count of St. Germain, and they go everywhere together. Oh, man. Like, literally, they go everywhere together. You should listen to their discography. Uh, and at this point, the session uh, comes to an end. Wait, but what's the Horlet? Uh, he, w- he was just an Atlantean scientist. Okay. He was just a brilliant Atlantean. That's all. Yeah. The session, I wrote the session ends. It, it didn't exactly end. There was more, but I didn't include it because it either didn't make any kind of sense at all and I didn't know how to phrase it or it was repeated or it doesn't matter. I, the session is over as far as I'm concerned. Chapter 10, The Secrets of Planet Earth. Ooh. Mo begins the session with cordial greetings and opens the floor to any ascended masters who wished to speak. So it's the same as the last session. She's talking to more ascended masters. It's like an open mic night? Basically, yeah. If they want to talk, you know, get up and talk, they can talk. Uh, St. Germain introduces Lady Nada, and she goes into depth about the complete history of Atlantis and then claims that there is a vast undiscovered complex under the pyramids, which we mentioned earlier. Right. Uh, the, the stuff about Atlantis is basically just repeated from earlier in the book with a couple extra things that really don't mean anything to me. Like they were in this age for 50,000 years and stuff like that. It just doesn't matter. St. Germain then drops the bomb when he outs himself as having been Hermes, Merlin, and Thoth himself. Do you remember Thoth? I remember Thoth. Thoth and Lady Nada created the pyramids. Yes. Out, out, out of pure thought. And they were, like, the fucking kings of Atlantis and shit. They were the ones who linked the third and the fifth pl- uh, dimension. Yes. And so St. Germain is like, yo, I was actually Thoth. And I, th- I thought that was pretty cool. He, like, drops a mic there. You thought that was pretty cool. <laughs> Thoth's father was the high priest of the Temple of Light and spoke the teachings of the Law of One. Do you want to know what the Law of One is? Is it anything to do with the Rule of Two? We don't know what the law of one is. They don't explain anyway. Oh. St. Germain also says he was Joseph, the father of Jesus. So, okay, this is a theme. Whenever Jesus or St. Germain talk about their incarnations, they're like, oh, and my best buddy was also there. So (laughs) Jesus Jesus is like, yo, I was Jesus. Everybody knows that. And then St. Germain was like, oh, and I was his daddy. I was his motherfucking daddy. We were having a banger of a time. So that keeps happening. He keeps being like, uh, I was the prophet Samuel who anointed King David, which was Jesus. (laughs) Okay. So Jesus was King David. So St. Germain was Samuel. So he could hang out with David and anoint him eventually as king. Right. They're just two bros chilling throughout all time. Yeah. 
Whenever wherever one goes, the it's, other is there. It's freaking good omens. Yeah, essentially. It's, it's, Asriel and uh, uh, Crowley just chilling yeah. throughout all time, just being bros. I, I want maybe there's a little <sighs> bit of sexual tension there. <laughs> I want like I want an animated series on this, just them incarnating in different places, reflecting yeah. on past lives, maybe complaining about whatever the new trend is. Yeah, that'd be great. Where were we? Uh, so he was Saint, Thoth. Yeah, Saint Germain and Jesus were bros all the time. And then the Mother Mary steps up to the mic. Oh, the lady herself. Yep. Uh, so she steps up and she says some positive shit and then tells Pizzotti that she's ready to meet Max. And this is the Mexico skull. This is the Mexico, the Mexican skull. Yep. Who, who knows. Who Z, I think, said, yo, you got to yeah. meet my friend. Yeah, Zariath was like, yo, yeah. you got to meet Max. You're, okay. you're, you're going to meet him, but we got to prepare you first. Okay. Which they didn't really do much to prepare her. They had three sessions. They they did have sessions, but they just like, they didn't talk about Max or like, <laughs> they just talked about random shit. They, they had to give her, she had to have, so Max is the, uh, like the 103 professor and she had to get the 101 <laughs> and the 102 first. Yeah, that's right. They, you got to get the basics down. Yeah. There's a very frustrating theme in this book about them saying, we're here to give you knowledge. And then when she asks a question, they say, you're not ready to know that. It's really frustrating. It happens a lot in this book. Hmm. So they'll, they'll either tell her you're not ready to know that or they'll give a very vague answer or they'll just change the topic. They're really shady ascended beings, I got to say. Well, they want to give her the knowledge that they want to give her. They're, they're very cagey and careful with what they say to her. I would say it's protective. I'm sure they would say that, too. <laughs> Chapter 11. Max speaks. <gasps> Pizzotti makes an appointment with Max's guardian. And this, this is the person that owns Max. Because a person owns the crystal the, oh, skull. Yes, okay, right. Physical being on Earth, human, yes. owns this actual skull. This is a skull. real interaction with <laughs> okay. another human being. Got it. <laughs> that, that threw me off. We're, we're back into reality. <laughs> The, the the owner's name is Joanne Parks. Oh. So she believes that <laughs> this is okay, this is weird. She believes that because the British Museum refused to comment on the age of the skull, that it must be tens of thousands of years old. It's certainly not just not worth their time. Yeah, they probably don't give a shit. They're like, it's a crystal skull. What do you mean? How old is it? How the fuck should we know? We can tell you how old the crystal is. We can't tell you how old the skull is, which is another like flaw in the logic because they, they do say, well, we know the crystal because of the patterns in it is this old. Right. So they just say the skull is that old. Oh, yes, because they, they do that. This, yeah. This, yeah. Uh, huh. The skull grew as a crystal. Right, so therefore the crystal is the skull. They are one and the same. Well, they, they never say that, that it grows into a crystal. They, they believe they're carved. Right, but no, no. But by was, advanced no. beings. Yeah, and it was carved as soon as the crystal was formed. There was no time for it, it to grow. It must have been. Yeah. So, <laughs> so anyway, um, they make an appointment. So she wants to come talk to her, to her skull. To Joanne Parks. Yep. <laughs> how, would you, how would you deal with that phone call? Can I come talk to your crystal skull? If you have one. You're probably on board. She probably is, honestly. She probably I'm is. I'm just, if you have one, you're trying to get it dated, and the museum says no, so you say this is worth, not worth, this is tens of thousands of years old because they refuse to comment. You have bought in. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I want to buy a crystal skull. 
I mean, we're gonna, <laughs> it's going to go right there. How big should it be? Should it be like fist size to some small or should well, I mean, it be a life size? The biggest skull? one was like a baby head, right? It was like two fists, something like that. Um, yeah, yeah, they weren't that big, actually. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's probably somewhere, somewhere like, all right, we should, all right, I'll look handheld for version. So, the, yeah, some of the bigger ones are actually really expensive, they're like thousands of dollars. Well, so. yeah, it's crystal, yeah, so <laughs> we'll get a, a cheaper crystal, get a plastic skull. <laughs> no, not a plastic, it has to be crystal, <laughs> or else it won't work. Get a silicon based skull. Uh, I'm still so frustrated, they don't explain why they have to be in the shape of, of skulls, they don't explain that. It's not that they have to. It's that that is the form that we recognize as being ancient and communicative. Because if it was an elephant oh, talking I to guess. us, we wouldn't associate it with our culture. I guess that makes sense. Why, why did they put that in the book then? Because <laughs> I pulled it out of my butt. That's why. Ah, You're, that's the method of writing all of this. <laughs> Max is a collective that partly merged with the crystal, but the crystal is not from Earth. Okay. Which I don't understand why they say he's partly merged. Because the other conscious collectives are fully merged. Look, he's just not all there. Yeah, I guess he's not. And, and He's the best of us, but he didn't quite make it. And it's even more confusing because they say he is a collective, not he is part of a collective. He is a collective. He is a collective, which this is, is it's a whole new legion. brand. Yeah. Because all the other skulls were individuals, but all together. Right. As a collective. He is a collective. This is, so all those other skulls. Eventually, their consciousnesses are going to merge into one consciousness, one one collective. Well, maybe. And that will be Max 2. Maybe because he's so ancient. Yes. There's no individual anymore. That's right. brilliant. They have grown together. You need to keep pulling shit out of your ass because I like it. <laughs> that I'm here for you. I, oh, God. I wish I hadn't said that. He's, he's a collective. He's not from Earth. He gives this, he, he basically gives the same spiel about bringing knowledge and healing to the 3D beings on Earth. And the the entire conversation with Max is just repeated, regurgitated garbage from the rest of the book. He does not add any new information to her life. That's actually very disappointing. At all. I know, because they hype him up. Yeah, I was looking forward to his to his revelations. They're like, Max, you got to meet Max. Max is the shit. He's so old. He knows so much. Let's go talk to Max. And he's like... We're here to heal and guide you, and, I mean, you're not at a level that I can really disclose too much information, but it was nice meeting you. It's like, it's That's like, fucking it. It's like when you party with, when you party with your friends and they're all doing heroin and they keep hyping up this guy named Max and Max is the one who introduced them to weed back in the day. Yeah. He's, he's and just, Max just has, he's just a stoner who hasn't like moved on. He hasn't gotten into the hardcore drugs yet. It's just rose tinted so, glasses. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, they love Max because Max brought them into this world. Well, Max, yeah. But to anyone else, Max is just a lazy stoner. Yeah. He's just a son of a bitch. You just waste your time. So, at this point in the book, I, I had, like, 30 more pages to go. Oh, man. And I was tired. I wanted to go to bed. Yeah. And I skimmed the rest of the book, the rest of the 30 pages, because... Sounds like, it sounds like you probably didn't miss much. I, I, I say skim, but I was carefully trying to find something that wasn't mentioned before, and right. there was nothing. It was all the same stuff, just said again. And that was the end of the book. She goes home and she was like, I'm glad I met Max and that I've had this adventure and I hope you can learn something from my adventure. And then the the uh, Ferrara guy does an epilogue where he talks about his experience knowing the author and 
He's like, I've, I've never talked to Crystal Skulls, but I mean, she apparently has, and it, it looks cool, so I hope to have the same experience. And then that's the end. He absolutely didn't read it. He had a conversation with her. She was looking for someone to put on to help accreditate, accredit her book. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was just the first one who popped up on Fiverr. Uh, <laughs> I don't think he's on Fiverr, but I, I'm sure they are friends because he is into like crystal shit and stuff. Okay. And he meditates reg- regularly and all that. I, I just, I feel like he's more into like, General positivity, bringing people up and making positive films because he's a filmmaker. Right. And I think she is just a level beyond him. She's the extreme version. Right. She's she's a bit beyond him. And so he's like, well, you know, you're my friend and this is a really positive book. So sure, I'll, you know, like, because the book is generally very shallowly positive. All I got from it was open your heart. It, it's just love people. Yeah. Be love yourself, meditate, and do what's right. It's like so fucking basic when you weed out all the sci-fi stuff. Yeah. And and I think that's why a lot of people are drawn to this sort of thing is because it's very positive. Right. There's really no downside other other than people thinking you're weird. Right, which you, there's levels too that you can go into. I mean, obviously, because you can you can get into this for the the positive image of it and see. Yes, I need to have a better outlook on the world, and you know what I do will affect my mood tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, that kind of thing, and and there's nothing wrong with that. But then there is a level where you can take it too far and say that these crystals are guiding my life, and these crystals I can't live without them. Yeah, where you could you could hurt yourself. You're, you're you're changing you're changing the the positivity from something that you are creating to something that is being created for you. Mm-hmm. And that, I think, is when it becomes dangerous. And and I did momentarily forget about the QAnon conspiracy stuff. It is definitely has tendrils from QAnon in there. And right. QAnon is fucking dangerous. Right. right. So, there, the, yeah, it, I, think, I think that has less to do with belief in crystals and energies and stuff and has more to do with these people are vulnerable to being sucked into they're looking for something right yeah they're looking for something to determine the way the world works this is a gateway and then through this you can find other more potent more dangerous ways of believing QAnon being one of them but you know there's other other things out there yeah and in those two twin skulls were like like all the skulls were like super positive and good vibes and then the twin skulls are like we're going to fucking war you need to get your your oh yeah that happened your weapon energy ready it's like i i completely skipped over a lot of that but they were very militant compared to the rest of the skulls Mm -hmm. it was kind of scary it was it really turned on a dime there so overall i regret this (laughs) okay okay but I hope it was entertaining, at least. I had a good time, personally. So we have our rating system. Mm-hmm. How would you rate this? Um, so for the first four chapters, I was voting hardcover. Really? I was like, this is so damn entertaining okay. and interesting. I am way into it. And then as I read and there's all these contradictions and things that don't make sense and then she just starts repeating shit, it just went downhill. And then they hype up Max and then Max is a bum and it just – it ruined the whole experience for me. If you just read the like the first four or five chapters, that is interesting, entertaining, hilarious read. Awesome. And I would love to have – if it was just that, I would have loved to have that book on my shelf to show people. But it gets so nuts 
And by the end of the book, the author is like patting herself on the back so fucking hard because her conversations with these crystals are so like flattering to her because she is like, oh, thank you, light beings for protecting us and guiding us. And the light beings are like, you know, you're the you're a really good person. You're like you're on the right track and, and you're you're better than everyone else. And we hope that you can show people the right path. And. And when it got into that, I was just like, fuck this person. She's wasting my time now. Yeah. So it, that was a real hard 180. And you know, I was messaging you and I was like, I am laughing so hard. This yeah. book is amazing. And then by the end of it, I'm like, I was ma- I was messaging uh, one of our other friends. I'm going to beep, beep that shit too. I was messaging and I was like, this is the book I read this week. I am filled with regret and despair. This book was completely devoid of logic. <laughs> I am a sad person that I paid money for this. So, so my rating went from hardcover mm-hmm. to uh, shampoo bottle. Okay. Because I was like, well, it's something that's somewhat interesting. Right. By the end of it, it's fucking toilet paper. Oh. This, I hate it. We have our first toilet paper. I hate hate it and it makes me so sad because it started off so great but no it's just she she lost the plot and it just spiraled into her like sucking her own dick even though she doesn't have a dick i'm sure well maybe she does i don't know but you know what i'm saying she's like she she just became so self-conceited and it 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 didn't feel positive anymore it just felt like she's just profiting from bullshit (laughs) it seems it seems very much in the vein of this type of belief system that is very surface level. Mm-hmm. It's very good on the outside when you when you look at it at first, and then as you dig deeper, you find that it's either nothing or rotten. Right. They're they're compensating for a lack of something in their life. Right. Like they 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 feel insecure. They don't feel loved. Something like that. And these beliefs let them feel that they right. are. They, they get something out of it. Yeah. That they're treasured or they're special or they're important that sort of thing and that, that's like a vast majority of uh just like you look at anyone queuing on and that it's the same type of thing yeah. it, it's a bunch of people who are just at home they're not doing anything or going anywhere with their lives and they're either feeling lonely or you know they're just disparate people that feel better because they're a part of these communities. Right. And then once you have that attraction, once you have that that sense of belonging, getting a person to give that up is yeah. one of the hardest things you can ever do. But I'm very happy we got an entertaining episode out of this. Yes. This was <laughs> incredible. I am so happy. This so, is a wild ride. <laughs> and I think I think that's what we can we can expect from this uh from the show as we grow too. We are not only going to look at sci-fi or um, you know, fiction books or that kind of thing. Like we're we're open to suggest. I've already gotten a few suggestions from people. Really, on, I'm excited. On some stuff to read. Um, we're open to suggestions. We have the uh, the email at page too far at email dot com. Um, send us send us suggestions there. If you enjoyed, if you've read this book, let us. I I, we, I don't think anyone picked, has. We picked so obscure, except for the Lost World, which is kind of more mainstream. But nobody nobody's read it tonight. But. Um, but if you've read this book, if you enjoy it, let us know. If you enjoyed the episode, let us know. Um, we are looking to uh, <clears throat> build up a social media presence once we get. We're kind of waiting on a few mm-hmm. things to fall in. Once that comes in, we'll have all of that we're up. Waiting on our goddamn thumbnail to be done. Look, it's going to be beautiful, and we've already seen some some pre sketches of it, and it looks really really good. 
Um, one really. It looks really good. It looks really I good. I would say it looks really, really good. It looks better than it anything was, I've commissioned. It was just a sketch. But yeah, it, we're, it's promising. And we're it excited. is very promising. So once we have all of that, we'll start establishing everything once we can actually get our presence out there. Um, so this is people probably listen to this like in two months or something. Yeah. Yeah. We're probably two months out at this point. We're time traveling right now. We are. Quick. Somebody get a blender. We... <laughs> Miller, there's some titties over here. <laughs> <laughs> These titties have a name. Their name is Yuki. The email, a page too far at gmail.com. I've already said it, but uh, you know, we're happy to have you. Thank you for coming out here. Uh, share this with your friends if you enjoyed it, and we'll see you next time. Bye bye. <laughs>